Creating Radical Share Value with Michael LaBelle, episode 23. Welcome to the My Energy 2050 podcast, where we speak to the people building a clean energy system by 2050. This week, we speak with myself, Michael LaBelle, Associate Professor at Central European University and host, of course, of this podcast. This week, we are delving deeper to understand how oil and gas companies are being pushed by activists and investors seeking to upend the carbon economy. Industries emitting carbon are not only bad for the environment, but bad for long-term shareholder value. We discuss why a capitalist system with people, the planet, and profits aligning can save the earth. We pursue this line to understand how these actions are radical interventions that seek to change the people hanging on to the carbon economy. Radical share value delivers a new economic system that values long-term financial returns utilizing greener technologies. Central to this model are people who understand money is to be made in green, not carbon-spewing technologies. The intent of the My Energy 2050 podcast is to spread the knowledge about how the energy system can assist our transition towards a greener future. And a note before we begin this week's episode, I want to ask if you have a guest suggestion to drop us a note on our My Energy 2050 LinkedIn profile page. And if you like this episode, please comment and share on your favorite social media channel. And now for this week's episode. The radical shared economy replaced the people to share the value. Today, we're going to talk about engine number one. This is a group of investors that corralled some other investment funds to replace board members on ExxonMobil's board. Three positions went to people favored by engine number one. And this kind of set off a big wave of kind of looking at how boards, particularly uh, oil and gas firms, how are they directing the companies into moving away from oil and gas and towards embracing much more renewable energy sources. And this is what we're going to talk about today. So what we'll cover today is shared value. My outline is this, justice, finding justice and shared values. There's the economy, reinventing capitalism, and then people sharing the value. And really, the point of this t- today's podcast is to understand the role that people play in shaping the strategies of companies and ultimately what technologies and natural resources are used by those companies and thus, you know, impacting the environment. So my first slide asks this, who is responsible? Responsibilities of firms and people. There's lots of discussions about, say, for example, a corporation is considered a person uh, and they have rights, right? But actually, I think it's much more important to focus on the people directing these corporations, okay? And this, again, was a big fight over the past few weeks, uh, building up really a lot of effort over the past year by engine number one to fight uh, for ExxonMobil to change their strategy. And we'll get that to that in a minute. I want to go over the kind of like a theoretical basis first for understanding what radical change is. And then we can start to understand how this is actually is a radical change when we target the people directing the companies and their, we could say their, their way of thinking, right? Because ultimately a corporation, we can say, yeah, it 
it is a corporation it has its structure and it goes right but there's still strategic decisions being made by people in the company okay so engine number one it was fighting for change and we can look at this in two different ways first i like to look at this as destroying the structure and how i frame this in my own research is about a just energy system but i think we can kind of broaden it out and just kind of lock, talk about uh how do we create a more just uh, energy system or a much more just system overall. And there's different perspectives. There's one that's fairly objective, right? Kind of like a top-down view. And this fosters, I would say, everyday acceptance. Well, that's the way things are. You know, we all drive cars. We have cars and we got to rely on oil from the Middle East. And then we got to rely on these oil companies, whether these are national oil companies owned by like Saudi Arabia, right? Or they're private companies, Shell, ExxonMobil, Right. We got to rely on them so that we can have cars and enjoy them and, you know, really run our economy off of oil. Right. So this is all kind of descriptive. It's labels. And it's really the goal is to maintain the structure of the everyday. Okay, so not making us too uncomfortable because we have to change our habits, change our way of thinking, change the technologies that operate and underline the economy. So this kind of kind of top down perspective is what most people accept. But I would say then there's this radical perspective, okay? And this is actually kind of, there's theories behind this, but there's a radical perspective. And these asks very specific questions, right? And this is who has leverage, whose interests are served, and the whole goal is to change social practices, okay? So just as the objective kind of viewpoint that I outlined of, oh, we have our roads, we have our cars, and there's not much choice, this is the way things are structured, a radical perspective actually pushes for social change. Hey, let's take public transport, let's use uh, electric vehicles instead of uh, uh, oil-based cars, right? So all these types of things kind of push us to develop other systems to change the structure. So essentially, we don't, we don't operate just within the structure and the structure determines our lives, but actually we have the power to change the structure. So yes, radical, but when we talk about the change that we need to make towards 2050, towards a low zero carbon economy, then we actually need radical change because it is only a few years away, 29 years. And what I find interesting about this discussion, we'll get into it a bit more about engine number one and ExxonMobil, these terms around share value, Michael Porter and Mark Kramer and others in this space talked about talk about shared value. So with a D, shared value. Okay. And I think this describes it quite nicely, actually, because we are shifting actually in their uh, article that Porter and Kramer have. It's the title of their article is how to reinvent capitalism and unleash a wave of innovation and growth. So you can start to see where I'm going here. We're changing the capitalist system. I'm not making this podcast about upending capitalism or getting away from it or anything like that. It's a much bigger topic, but I just want to talk about how corporations can be changed by changing the people in them. And by focusing on the people, it is this radical perspective. But it's also this shared value perspective that Porter and Kramer talk about. And here they talk about, there's a little description here, I'll read it. The purpose of the corporation must be redefined as creating shared value, not just profit per se. This will drive the next wave of innovation and 
productivity growth in the global economy. Okay, so we got to create shared value in order to change and in order to grow the global economy. Doing business as usual is for losers. Here they go on. It will, quote, it will also reshape capitalism and its relationship to society. Perhaps most important of all, they say, learning how to create shared value is our best chance to legitimize business again. So basically, when this was published in 2011, we were coming out of the 2008 financial crisis, which was still dragging out then, right? And business, and certainly banks, and capitalism as a whole did a lot of disservice, we could say, for society as an understatement. And here was a time where business really needed to lead again. And I would say over the past few years, because of the failure of governments, we have business picking up the pieces, basically. And maybe maybe now, uh, overall, we, we have a change. We have changed leaders, right? So maybe government is now, again, once more involved in really making a, a significant and concerted push to change our, our energy system and, and more, more broadly our economy. And so we get to this point where reinventing capitalism is really important. So we got to leverage profits and people. And here we start to understand that leading investors urge governments to end support for fossil fuels. This is this is a uh, headline from The Guardian, which is always good to talk about when we talk about radicalism. But, but nonetheless, it's, it's totally legitimate. Leading investors urge governments to end support for fossil fuels. This goes on to say that there's 457 investors who signed up, signed this letter, right, and in a joint statement. It even describes here these 457 investors hold almost a third of the world's assets under management. Okay, I don't know exactly what it completely means, but they, they're pretty significant holders and participants, we could say, of this capitalistic system and certainly of the energy system, right? Making money off of oil, right? And they want change, right? Uh, and they're calling on governments, so not just business. The previous slide was about the role that business needed to do. Here we could say business and those working with businesses are stepping up and they want significant plans put in place to make this transition with the target for net zero emissions by 2050 or sooner. So essentially we have the, the, the financiers of the, of the capitalistic system stepping up and saying, hey, we got we to gotta make changes. So I'm, I'm just setting the stage here for understanding this broader push. And this really, so we have business, we have the financing uh, area pushing for change. And now we also can see that we have the court. So in, in a court ruling in The Hague, Shell was taken to, to court by activists. I believe these were Greenpeace activists uh, and suing them because and then basically they, they put it towards the put it in front of the court that, hey, Shell is like not doing anything. And they're part of the problem, killing all of us and killing the planet. And, and so the court ruled in favor of, we could say, of these environmental activists. We could just call them environmentalists, right? Or normal people that actually just don't want to die <laughs> with climate change as the cause of that, which comes from burning oil and gas and coal and many other things, right? So really, uh, Shell was ordered. They got to like develop a different strategy, a different corporate strategy going forward. Shell's going to do this. They're going to outline this plan that gradually reduces oil output by 1% to 2% a year and expands in other areas, including electricity and biofuels. So the main point here is that the courts themselves look fairly objectively, we could say, 
at, at the science, at the company strategies, and are demanding that they actually change and, and making it a legal requirement. And we can start to understand then that individual companies bear a legal responsibility to protect people from climate change. And this was the ruling quote uh, that they had, the court came down with that individual companies bear a legal responsibility to protect people from climate change. So we move into the era that, that, that smoking and cigarettes are bad for you is now applied to oil and gas companies that oil and gas are bad for everybody. So things need to change. And now let's get to our, our key point here that radical investors buy engine number one is saying that things need to change. Okay? This is not just um, this is not just engine number one that's demanding things to change. They, they bought some shares in the company and they were able to corral and cooperate with some other big investment funds. This included BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street. They voted against Exxon's leadership. They demanded change, right? So they said enough is enough. We're not going to let ExxonMobil continue to invest into. But the main point here is that these investors, these hedge funds, they want the people changed, right? They're saying Exxon, ExxonMobil is not doing enough, A, to bring in money, a capitalist-centered approach. They want sh greater shareholder return, not necessarily the shared value, right? But they want greater shareholder return there, right? They want more money coming into ExxonMobil. And oil and gas is, at least oil is not the way to do that, right? They want investment into energy, into clean energy. And here, here's a kind of a statement from their, from their flashy website. They say, we are engine number one, an investment firm purpose-built to create long-term value by harnessing the power of capitalism. We believe a company's performance is greatly enhanced by investments it makes in workers, communities, and the environment. We believe that over time, the interests of Main Street and Wall Street align, we and we can engage as active owners to create value by focusing on this alignment. The big point here is it's very much aligned with the idea of shared value as well. Kind of in this together, I like their point about Main Street and Wall Street aligning. And because there's this big disconnect between large capital, basically, uh, those on, on Wall Street and those kind of everyday people wherever they are. So if you've been listening to this podcast for a while now, you know that I'm, I'm from Michigan. And it's always interesting to always read the, the, the news, right? And see these headlines from around the world, but then go back to Michigan and talk to people and how do people actually think. And there's always, a, I think, a strong disconnect. But here, this, this idea that we actually have to help people out by investing and, and working with people and not just letting the corporation decide for itself what it's going to do. So there's a big push there. And then there's these two professors from one from Penn State and one from Western University that came out with this article about about what happened around Exxon. And they actually start to see that actually what this hedge fund, this engine number one, which they technically are, is actually, yeah, they're making a strong case. The reason Exxon's financial position has been deteriorating, uh, deteriorating is because of its failure to invest in low carbon technologies. So not because of their investment in oil or because of their investment in oil, which is stagnating and declining, they actually haven't been able to get the money out that they the shareholders want that greater essentially greater profits are in the green technologies think about that right oil where everyone's made their money off of that over the past century and more has now shifted away and become 
kind of a low margin product and it's not where you're going to make money off of. Actually, you can make more money off of greener technologies and greener, we'll just say resources, in fact, right? And so really, if we're thinking about long term, this is what they go on to talk about. If we talk about long term capital allocation strategies, there's a plan to enhance shareholder value and a misaligned management compensation are straight out of a typical hedge funds playbook. So these two professors say that actually, this is kind of like typical where a hedge fund will come in and look at the board of directors and say, hey, your whole strategy is screwed up. Uh, You got to change it. And because you're not making enough money, we actually are looking long term, not just quarterly or yearly on your yearly returns. We want like long term capital redeployed, making money over the long term. And we're not going to get there with oil anymore. So that's how competitive uh, hedge funds see green energy. And then I really like this statement by one of the founders of engine number one. Um, He states here. But engine number one was clear that its campaign was as much about Exxon's financial underperformance in recent years as it was about climate. So here's a quote. Exxon thought this was ideological, unquote, James said. But engine number one was a capitalist group, definitely not a nonprofit, he added. Quote, our idea was that this was going to have a positive impact on the share price. They're taking action not out of ideology, but simply looking at the numbers and understanding there's better ways to make money in the future and deliver kind of the share value in the short term. So where are we? Here we go. So I'm just going to recap. We're destroying the structure. We're destroying this energy system that's been built over the last century, well, essentially. And we're we're removing the label. could say, yes, oil is good, or this is our transport infrastructure. This is our economy reliant on oil. But actually, no, let's actually like make the structure work for us. Let's get higher profits over the longer term by replacing those people that are just accepting the everyday. Okay, so let's be radical. Let's replace the people with other people that understand how to make money from greener technologies. And the goal really is to change, we could say, practices that can be company practices, social practices, because these things are happening anyway. We could even say the movement towards electric cars, uh, although I would kind of debate about the, the extent of that, right? And, and how much that's going to impact oil. But nonetheless, right, there's still this social practices are changing in the future. Companies to be, need to be ahead of that if they want to be market leaders and making a lot of profits. So not just going along with the everyday. And by this, we, we start to understand that there's leverage to be made. There's leverage by these hedge funds, financial firms that are investing over the long term. And they have a vote, right? They have a vote in the companies to replace the people. And that's why this becomes quite radical, because they're going to change the strategy. They're going to change even the structure of the company. It's going to expand out. It's going to invest in other types of technologies and resources. And it does this by aiming at the people rather than accepting the status quo for every day. I was going to show you a little video about Exxon Valdez and the oil spill and how horrible oil is, but you probably already turned off if you were kind of thinking that oil was good. Who makes the decisions? We have the Exxon CEO. He's still there, but they have three new board members who kind of get the point. You have to identify the problem identify the leverage points, identify the people to change, who's got the old way of thinking, 
who has the new way of thinking, and then you can start to change the structure. You change the structure of the company, then you start to change the the structure of the whole kind of system, right? So those hedge funds, those financial firms that are investing the money that controls so much of the world's wealth, they're already starting to try to change the structure, move away. They understand the threats that climate change has on their profits over the long term. It's not good. And so they're already trying to reallocate their capital in other areas besides, for example, oil and gas, coal, looking for greener pastures, essentially, where where the money is going to deliver the results later on. So that's it for today's uh, My Energy 2050 podcast. Uh, Yeah. And I want to thank you for listening and for joining. And please, any, any questions, contact us on our LinkedIn profile page. That seems to be getting the most activity. And we're going to, well, we have got a lot of uh, ideas for the summer, what we're going to redo on our website and for the podcast. So I want to thank you very much for listening. I'm Michael LaBelle and stay radical. That's what I'll say. Thank you for listening to this episode of the My Energy 2050 podcast. Please follow the My Energy 2050 podcast on iTunes or Stitcher so that you can automatically get updated with each new episode. If you like this episode and feel others can benefit from the information, please share it on social media. You can contact me to provide feedback or suggestions on Twitter at MyEnergy2050 or on LinkedIn.